0: Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello! Welcome into yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Work Show. We are talking one day removed from Bayern's tie with Leipzig 3 3. It was a fantastic game. I'll touch on my opinions on that in a little bit. But beyond that, we got a good amount of questions online when we asked on twitter for you to send us your question using the hashtag #AskBPW, and so we're going to address them around the horn style yet again but before we do that i am joined by both chuck and tom guys it's sunday how are you feeling how are you doing
1: jake i'm doing great i'm happy to be back with you guys again i'm looking forward to a good conversation i know we've had a lot of uh, a lot of discussion going on the slack channel over the past week about Bayern. so i'm interested to hear what you guys think about this past game and on some of the questions that we got in from the listeners
2: i think by now you know it's sunday evening my heart rate has finally gone down a little bit after that crazy 3-3 thriller against uh RB leipzig uh just relaxing a little bit right now and, uh, yeah, decompressing, and we can, uh, we can talk about that game a little bit and just how crazy it was.
0: Let's do just that right now. I'm not too angry. <laughs> to be incredibly honest, I'm not too angry. It was a 3-3 draw against a fantastic team. Yeah, sure, Leipzig got their first gold at the Allianz Arena, I believe, this weekend, but... From a neutral perspective, it was a fantastic game. It was fun. It was fun because the defenses on both teams were relatively bad. Leipzig's in the first half, Bayern's in the second half. Um, Goals galore. Uh, The thing that got me angry, I would say more so than the defense, and we will talk about the defense, and I think we even had something, which I didn't see in the questions, but I just seen scrolling through Twitter. Somebody just said, why, like, why do we keep talking about the defense? The defensive midfield didn't do as well. And I would agree with that, right? The defensive midfield hasn't been great in terms of defending, uh, from attacks, but they play another part which is to move the ball up the field, and they do that a lot better than they do defending. But the reason why we're kind of hampering on the defense a little more is because they're the last line, and one of them has a World Cup and a bunch of years of experience under his belt, right? Jerome Boateng should know better than to turn his back to the center of the box Because he knows an attacker is going to be coming. And Nicolas Sula should have stepped up more and should have challenged Emil Forsberg. Otherwise, we might have won 3-2. Like, if if it was better communication, better attention being paid to the attackers, then Sula and Boateng would have probably had a fantastic game. I thought they had a great rest of their game. And a pretty decent game right before that. Only pretty decent. But that error just kind of opened it up. But the one thing that I'm more mad about than that was Byron's passing in the final third. They could not get a pass open to save their lives. And they often tried more risky passes than the safer options. Which confused me. And it got me screaming at my screen. I got to be honest. I was very, very mad at a couple of passes. But I think that was Bayern's biggest concern. I think that losing Joshua Kimmich is one of the biggest reasons why Bayern wasn't able to get those balls in. But, I mean, if we want to go all the way back to August, losing Tiago Alcantara is an even more terrible thing because he was very much a metronome, very much easily able to push the ball up the field and kind of dictate Bayern's front line. But I mean, we didn't have that. (laughs) Even with a more attack-minded midfielder in Jamal Musiala, we did not have that. So to me, I think final third passing is something that Bayern absolutely needs to work on in their upcoming games. But outside of that, I I didn't think it was too bad of a game. Uh, Guys, what are your thoughts?
1: Jake, I thought the game, one, it was a lot of fun. Two, it was great for the Bundesliga because of the competitive levels between both teams. A lot of the things uh, that you hit on, I think, are correct. The the back line was terrible. I mean, let's just call it what it was. It was a bad game by four very good players. It happens. Uh, and, And there are some very valid points about the support structure there with a defensive midfield. Uh, Once Javi Martinez left the game, it brought in Jamal Musiala, who for all of his offensive talents tends to stay higher up the field. That shifted Leon Goretzka back into more of a deeper role. But to be honest, Goretzka was all over the field. He was pressuring everywhere. He was constantly tracking back. I don't necessarily think he was the problem in this game. I didn't have too big of an issue with his effort. It was just the overall defensive structure of the team. And if if you looked closely a lot, especially in the first half, uh, Leroy Sané uh, found himself venturing to the middle of the park. Uh, that left Benjamin Pavard pushing up higher, and that was a, a big problem because everyone else had to shift, and then we started to see those holes in the defense. So there were a lot of issues. But I don't think there's anything right now that I'm overly concerned about. I mean, I just thought it was a bad game by four good players. So, uh, you know, I one of the things that's kind of made me chuckle, though, about the game is I see a lot of praise being heaped on the Arbe Leipzig backline for taking Robert Lewandowski out of the game. But they gave up three goals. <laughs> and I mean, great, you, you minimized Lewandowski, but you left Thomas Muller open. So... Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not so sure it was a, a was a, a win for those two center backs Nupimikano, and Uba uh and oh, why am I drawing a blank on that? Kanate uh, Kanate, yes, yeah. uh, and and also, I mean, Angelino again, great offensive talent. He didn't have the best defensive game, and Norty Mukiele again wasn't great either. So uh, I didn't think uh, while. The game was fun and it was awesome. I don't think there's really like any either defensive unit can walk out of there like, you know, saying, oh, we did great. I think they were both subpar. Doesn't mean there are eight bad players on those back lines. There are not. They just did not play well in that game.
2: From a neutral perspective, for me, um, this was just two teams that were really up for the the task at hand. You know, I, I remember sending out a tweet during this one. I was like, this is 100% a match between first and second in the Bundesliga. You know, I have to give every bit of credit to Julian Nagelsmann for the way he set up this side. I think it was clearly obvious with the attacking three of uh, Nkunku, for- uh, Forsberg, and uh, Justin Clivert with Tyler Adams tucked right behind them. They were 100% utilizing the pace. Uh, and I thought they did a really good job setting up their counterattacks. And one thing I specifically noticed, I don't really, I don't think I made a tweet about it while the game was happening, but one thing I, I really noticed, you know, every time Bayern would lose the ball in the attacking third, and they would kind of. Um, go on their counter press to try and win the ball back. I thought Leipzig executed perfectly, setting up little triangles, uh, you know, very short passes to kind of play their way out of the press. I thought that was one of the most effective things they were able to do. Um, Because basically what happens when you have numbers forward committed for Bayern trying to win the ball back, when you get those short passes off, eventually the third or the fourth pass in that sequence is going to completely take out a few players in the midfield. And I think that was clearly evident, especially in the first half. They would get the ball up to either Nkunku, Adams, Forsberg, or Cliver, and they would just take off, you know, and we'd be on our heels trying to defend um, with Boateng and Niklas Sula, who obviously are not two of the fastest guys in the league. And remember, Sula is coming back from a knee injury, hasn't played as much as he would have liked. Um, And, It's clear that the complexion of the match changed when they took Forsberg off and they had Youssef Paulson leading the line, not as pacey of a guy, not as clever on the ball, just more of a physical aerial presence. And Chuck, you had talked about the physicality too. I think more from a Bayern standpoint, they were a bit shocked at how much the referee let go. I remember making comments about this as well um, during my live tweets and, you know, I just think that was more of Leipzig playing to it and Bayern kind of maybe being a bit rattled by it. Uh, maybe that's too harsh of a word, just not calibrating as quickly as Leipzig did. Every time Lewandowski was on the ball, Upa Makana was right there on his back. And I thought Leipzig did a good job of defending when our players had their backs to Leipzig's goal. But, you know, again, you mentioned personnel. I mean, Goretzka and Javi Martinez and Goretzka, Jamal Musial is not our best midfield pivot. You know, Goretzka and Kimmich, I think, is one of the best midfield pivots in Europe, if not the world, when they're on their day. And um, Boateng and right now, I don't think, are the best center-back pairings either. So, with all things considered, I didn't quite expect a 3-3 draw, but you could boil this down to both sides being up for it. Defensive lapses, mistakes in midfield lapses in concentration and we have a 3-3 draw but thankfully we're still top of the table
0: yeah thankfully we are why don't we go ahead before we get into questions that we have go through the other matches that happened this weekend in the bundesliga and then go ahead and take a look at that table the game on friday before all of this the berlin derby uh hertha walking out with a 3-1 win over Union. And then the next day it was full of draws on Saturday. Oh my goodness. 3-3 Bayern-Leipzig. 2-2 Freiburg-München-Gladbach. 1-1 Frankfurt-Dortmund. 2-2 Köln-Wolfsburg. Only win coming out of this day was Bielefeld over Mainz 2-1. And then on Sunday a 2-1 win for Stuttgart over Werder Bremen. And a 3-0 win for For Leverkusen over Schalke, tomorrow we get a game between Hoffenheim and Augsburg, so that'll be fun, that'll be interesting. The table now sees uh, Mainz and Schalke in the bottom two, Bielefeld moving up from 17th to 16th, putting them in the playoff spot. The three spots above 16th belong to Köln, Freiburg, and Hoffenheim going from 15th to 13th. And then top seven looks like Bayern, Bayer Leverkusen, who picked up that win, hopping Leipzig, who are now in third, Dortmund in fourth, Wolfsburg in fifth, sixth belonging to Union Berlin, and seventh, just on the outside, is Borussia Mönchengladbach. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will answer some of your questions from Twitter. Stay with us. Welcome back, and now we are set to go around the horn yet again. We will answer almost all of your questions that you submitted to us on Twitter using the hashtag at hashtag AskBPW or just sending in questions to us uh, directly responding to our tweets. So, Tom, you're our Twitter man. Let us know what we get to uh, answer first.
2: All right. So the first question comes in from at BNCEO. And they ask, can we get a status on our loanees? And who has the best chance to make the senior squad next season, assuming they return? Um, Now, Chuck, I know you're kind of one of the main men for the the loan watches here. So I'll let you start this one. And then Jake, obviously, uh, you can add something in
1: after and uh, myself as well. Sure. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Yeah, we will be having a Bavarian Loan Works update this week on the site. So for all the comprehensive uh, kind of feedback and observations about the loanies you'll be able to get that in uh, in the blog this week but to give you some of the uh, I guess the primary players uh, we'll start out with Mikel Cuisance. he's over at Olymp- Olympique Marseille and uh, he is making a good name for himself now he recently did not have a good showing in the Champions League and foolishly went on Twitter to kind of poke some fun at himself and and got roasted by uh Many of the people out there on the uh, internet, but Cuisance is really doing well. He's making the most of his time there. Statistically is not lighting up the world, but he's getting that experience that he needs. Uh, And, you know, I'll focus on a couple of other uh, and quickly hit on a couple of other players. Adrian Fine, he's with PSV. Eindhoven is not really doing well. He's not getting a lot of playing time. That loan is probably not working out for him. Uh, on the other hand, there's Lars Lucas Mai, who is with Darmstadt, who is one of Tom's favorite sides, I think, and uh, he's actually he's played every minute of every game uh, in in the two Bundesliga. So we are really happy to see that he's getting that time that he needs. Uh, he's statistically doing pretty well. He's got an assist, but he's uh, got a 91% passing accuracy rating, and he's uh, doing well in his duels, both on the ground and in the air. So this was. When you talk about an ideal loan scenario, Lars Lucas mai is getting exactly what you would want a young player to get out of it. And the last two guys that I will hit on are two over at Nuremberg in Sarpreet Singh and Christian Fruchtel, who uh, basically aren't playing at all. So this is really disappointing. Those are two players that I think a lot of us had high hopes for, but they're not getting the time, the requisite time you would think players uh, who were that well regarded would get at a club like Nuremberg. So uh it's really disappointing uh for the most part you can really look to Lars Lucas Mai as the uh bright and shining star and also Cuisance but uh of those five players it's uh it's not been it's not been great now
2: Chuck I need to jump in for Jake do you think Mikel Cuisance has paid a visit to Disneyland Paris because we all know <laughs> what happened when he went to Disneyland something in the tells me States. if he went
1: there they would recognize him going to Orlando though they just probably thought he was like any other kid from like Delco or where I live you know what I mean
0: good old good old uh, Mickey Cuisance if you will yeah I mean thank you for the update Chuck I think the player I guess just looking at the stats that might have the best chance of breaking into the first team, I guess would be Lars Lucas Mai. Only because I know uh, Marseille, I believe, have an option to buy on that loan for Cuisance. I don't necessarily even know if Cuisance would break in and get some starting time if everyone was fully healthy, right? He'd be fighting with Quarantanto Lissot, he'd be fighting with Koretsuka and Kimik, obviously, but Keep in mind, with Cuisance out on loan, we get fantastic performances from Jamal Musiala almost every other week. Meanwhile, at Bayern, on their back line, there's a little more instability, right? We got a problem with uh Boateng, who is almost certainly set to leave the club in the summer, we have a problem with Alaba's contract, he might even leave in the summer, so if Byron go out and buy anybody, they're still going to need a center back, and whether that's going to be Chris Richards, whether that's going to be Lars Lucas Mai, they'll be fighting for that position And I think fighting for one position favors both of them to get a lot of starting time if Byron don't go out and buy anybody. So after looking at those and after telling us about the unfortunate circumstances with uh, Sarpreet Singh and Christian Fruchtel over at uh, Nuremberg, I'm going to have to say my is probably my pick for best loanee.
2: That is the pun I was waiting for, and Jake, I 100% have to agree with you. You know, hindsight is always 2020, 20, but given the defensive issues we've had and right now the current status of David Alaba, you know, we are pretty certain he's going to be gone uh, by the summer, if not perhaps even earlier. Uh, and b- correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but I believe Mai has— featured in our first team before, back when Yep uh, Heinkes was manager. So, he's done it before, and if I recall correctly, they were situations where we had already wrapped up the Bundesliga title at the time, but he played, uh, he's shown quite well for himself. So, uh, with all things considered, it is disappointing to see that uh, both Singh and Freutel aren't really playing at all. Uh, Mikel Kuisance, I think, <laughs> a lot of his off-pitch presence was kind of un- unwanted and unneeded at a club like Bayern. Uh, so, honestly, I wish the best for him, but you know, as Jake mentioned, perhaps Marseille will be looking to uh, activate that buyout clause in that in that loan and uh, keep him in Ligue 1. So with that said, we will move on to the second question, and this one is uh, very interesting. Speaking of defensive issues, it comes from at Hans Win 2 and they ask, if Bayern picks up Dio Upamecano, who's starting in our back line? And I'll add this, I guess we can assume... He comes uh, in place of David Alaba. You guys can either add that to your logic for the question or not. We'll go uh, Jake and then Chuck this time.
0: I would still start David Alaba if he was here. And then it would just be a battle for that second spot between Nicolas Sula and uh, Upamecano. If Alaba wasn't here, I would just pick both Upamecano and Sula to start. And I think that would be pretty easy of a decision because. Like I just mentioned in the answer to the last question, it's almost certain that Jerome Boateng is going to leave this summer. The club does not want to renew his contract. They've told him to start looking at other places, at least in terms of what we've heard from reports. So even if we bought Upe and sold only Boateng, not Alaba, there's still... Like, that extra spot that isn't necessarily locked up, that extra spot being basically the quote-unquote third center back option or, uh, to borrow a term from hockey, the uh, 1A, 1B scenario where you'd have a 1A center back, right? We could call it Sula for the sake of this argument, and then your 1B center back would be Dio Upamecano, right? And they would rotate on and off, by the weeks, kind of like the way we see Suda and Boateng working right now. I think that buying Upamecano would be a fantastic move for Bayern. I hope they do it. I feel like they would do it. But I doubt that they would be able to pull it off this January, especially given how Leipzig are in a title fight and they don't want to give any arms to uh their biggest rivals for that as of right now. So if Bayern need defensive help, they will probably be looking outside of the Bundesliga or at least outside of the top four of the Bundesliga in order to make something like that happen.
1: Yeah, I think with Upa Meccano, Jake, I think if he does leave in January or even in the summer, I think he's more likely to end up uh, in England with Liverpool, uh, which Tom will probably love. Yes, uh, but yes, just please. under the scenario that he, did, uh, that he makes a move to Bayern... I'm not sure I would have him in the starting lineup. And I say that because I know there's a lot of uncertainty with Boateng, with Alaba, even with Niklas Sula now. I mean, there are reports now that Bayern may or may not, uh, or there's just a lot of indecision on Sula at this point internally at the club. So, um, But what I think we've seen with Sané and maybe some other players in the past that it takes a little while to adjust to things at Bayern Munich. And uh, I would anticipate that any player coming in is going to have that uh, transition period. You know, we saw with Lucas Hernandez, he was he was not great last year. Uh, we saw it with James Rodriguez. We saw it with Philippe Coutinho, and we're seeing it with Leroy Sané. I mean, I think it's example after example after example that we see where Bayern has a certain way of doing things, and it's not necessarily conducive for an easy transition. So if if Upamakano were to make the move to Bayern, I think he would be uh, taking a seat on the bench, gaining some experience, learning the way of Bayern, and eventually making uh, his way into the rotation, like you said, Jake. For me, I just
2: have to look at this realistically. This obviously, I don't think, as Jake mentioned, would happen in January. If this were to happen, uh, Bayern. Purchasing Dio Upamecano from Leipzig This would 100% in my opinion happen in the summer uh, And would happen uh, as a result of David Alaba being sold uh, For a substantial fee Whether it's to Barcelona or someone in the Premier League Chelsea I know is one of the clubs that have been linked with him uh, In recent weeks With all things considered If that were to happen I 100% think that Upamecano should be in the starting lineup. Now the debate for who would be starting alongside him is where it would get really interesting because I think if Alaba goes uh, and Upamakano comes, he immediately is on the top of the depth chart, either one or two. Perhaps if he's not either one or two, then at least number three for center backs. And uh, Jake, you were talking about Boateng. I don't recall if they've, if the club has said they've refused to renew his contract. I know it's been up in the air and it has kind of um, flip flopped back and forth. Quite a lot between this season and last season, uh, when you had said they were talking about saying they would definitely not renew his contract. Uli in the past had said uh, he really should be looking for another club, but I believe that was towards uh, last season or the end of the season before that. So he's one for me. Like his situation is really up in the air, and you know he at times he said he's willing to stay, and the club has agreed. At times he said. Um, you know that he would want to go somewhere else in the Bundesliga uh, for the for the latter stages of his career. So that's the, the real interesting aspect for me because I'm in my mind I'm thinking Alaba's definitely gone uh, by the end of this season. I just don't know what's going to happen with Boateng. Um, so I'd have to say by the time we get Pumacano, I'm assuming Alfonso Davies is 100% fit. I'm assuming Luca Hernandez, <laughs> knock on wood, hasn't picked up another serious injury, and he's also 100% fit. Uh, so there's also a question of could Luca Hernandez perhaps switch back to center back as well? And then we have a little bit of another uh, French connection going on in the in the center back position at Bayern. Uh, because That's
0: a question that we have next. One. I know. I, so was, I was going to, to segue, to segue
2: right into this because you gentlemen might agree, right now on current form this season, when fully fit, I think Luca Hernandez is miles better than Jerome Boateng and Nicolas Zula. And so the third question we're going to get into comes from at chatty underscore Don, and they ask, what is your ideal option for the Alfonso Davies-Luca Hernandez situation that Byron faces? Uh, and, Jake, you can go ahead and start since you had already chimed in, uh, and then Chuck will go with you. <laughs>
0: um, I guess when I was making my answer, I didn't think about Luca Hernandez. So I want to... Ignore my last answer specifically for this question. Um I think this defense looked a lot better in August when it had Alfonso Davies at left back. I think that despite the fact that Hansi has said that the left back position belongs to Luca Hernandez, it was his to lose, and then he got injured, and then Fonzi came in. What he found was gold he found gold with Alfonso Davies at left back, and I don't know why he's settling for silver in this scenario. It's not to say that Luca Hernandez is not a good left back, but what I'm saying is, while he may be more defensive-minded Hernandez, it doesn't mean his defense has been great, because his defense has not been great on that left wing. Granted, or that right wing, I guess, if you... Think about it, right? It would be a right winger versus a left back. But I mean, he's gotten beaten for pace so many times on that side. And I just pray for Alfonso Davies to be there because there's no way in the world that Alfonso Davies is getting beaten for pace by anybody. So to me, I think starting. Alfonso Davies at left back is the best way for this team to go because he's been effective in the Champions League. He was completely effective for the entirety of last year and when Hansi decided to start benching him for Luca, I was kind of confused about it. Now considering my last answer, what I'm going to do is amend it. Because I didn't think about Luca. I would absolutely be fine with Luca Hernandez starting at left center back and then having the other position being fought out by Ubmecano or by Nick Sula, assuming we lose both Boateng and Alaba, because Fonzie looks right at home at that left back position. And I think when he got repeatedly benched for Hernandez, he lost his mojo, but I think he might get it back if he gets more consistent starts at that position.
1: Yeah, I think it's an interesting point about Hernandez and Davies uh, in, in one respect. It's great to have that much talent in the other respect. It's, it's very tough to keep it happy. So in my ideal scenario, uh, Hansi flick is able to develop some sort of rotation that is able to use Hernandez for his versatility at both left back and center back. And that will allow him to have Davies playing at left back, but also be able to slide Davies upfield and perhaps play some left wing as well. I think there's a way for Flick to make all of this happen. It just all really depends on who's left over in that defensive back line depth chart. I mean, you could lose Alba, you could lose Boateng, you know, Sula could also go. So, it's really a lot of things are up in the air as we head into the second half of the season and especially toward when we get towards summer and the transfer window opens and all the craziness begins once again at that point we should have a pretty firm idea on the futures of Boateng and Alaba and I think from there Flick will be able to kind of put his plan together for how to best make use of two really good talents in Luca Hernandez and Alfonso Davies
2: I agree 100% with the statement Jake made. He was talking about Alfonso Davies specifically in August, uh, especially during our Champions League bubble in Portugal. And on his day, Davies is 100% the outright bona fide starting left back for this club. I know last week, I forget what we were talking about, but I, I made the comment being a fly uh, on the grass at, at Sabaner Strasse. And Chucky, you were just closing your argument there with talking about Hansi Flick and how it's his job to get the decisions right and, for the better part of his coaching tenure at Bayern, has. And he's proven that. We would not have won a treble if, if that weren't correct. But it, there's just so many things to take in. Uh, one, the fact that clearly there's been something going on with Davies at the beginning of the season. Perhaps a little bit of mental and physical fatigue uh, from the end of last season. All of these footballers are experiencing uh, playing matches at a rate like never before. Um, th- so that's the, another part of my, my my logic in thinking about this is regardless of what the ideal option is between the two, changes in rotations are going to happen because at least for the foreseeable future, the season's going to be like this. I'm not sure if perhaps maybe this question was meant for uh, 2021-22 season or the rest of this season, but... You know, not to mention Davies is coming back from an ankle injury, and I believe it was last week he had just resumed uh, running on, on the pitch and doing some ball work at Zabinastrasza. So there's just so many things to consider, but tying this to my thought about uh, Upumakano, assuming that he does come to the club if uh, Alaba and or uh, Boateng leaves, like I said, agreeing with Jake, when he's fully fit uh, and firing on all cylinders, I think there's no question that Davies should be the starting left back. Uh, and with Hernandez, I think you can either rotate him in there if need be, if we need to push Davies up to the to the wing, given injuries to our midfielders and attackers, if if need be, you know, because people are dropping like flies this season, uh, or perhaps even doing Davies at left back and Luca Hernandez at center back. One of the matches I remember him playing quite well in was uh, the DFL Super Cup against uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, I remember him going. Head, or toe-to-toe, excuse me, with Erling Haaland, uh, Julian Brandt, Torgan Hazard doing quite well against those guys. Um, really very, very pacey players. I know, Jake, you mentioned he's been beat for pace several times, but I'd be curious to see, you know, if he gets a run of matches at center back, how he does there. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's ideally what I would do, have Davies starting left back and Hernandez either rotating in at left back here and there, or Hernandez even trying out center back uh, for a run of of matches, and hopefully that would work. So we will move on to the next question now, which comes from at Chasing a Cup. And Chuck, I believe this question was probably tailor-made for you. And they ask, how close is Chris Richards to being a regular for Bayern? What will it take to crack into the lineup consistently?
1: Tom, I think this is a great question. And and to be honest, I don't think it's it's really a matter of talent for Chris Richards. I think he has first team talent. He has the size, he has the speed, he has the great passing ability and vision. All of that is there. He's the complete package when you look at all of those things. The problem for Chris Richards right now is that he has very good players in front of him. Boateng, Alaba, Sula, Hernandez. I mean, these are world-class players. Even if you throw in Benjamin Pavard at right back where, where Richards could conceivably get time. I mean, he just has so many good players in front of him. It's not his fault he's not playing. He's in one of the worst possible scenarios for a young defender to be in. And I think, you know, like we've talked about throughout all of these questions, we'll start to see more of what the plan is for Richards open up once the futures of Alaba and Boateng are decided. And I think Bayern knows they've got something in Richards. It's, his talent is pretty obvious. When he's gotten a chance to come in and play over the course of this season, he's done well. And I know statistically maybe he's not lighting up uh, the defensive score sheet in all of those categories. But I think the most important thing is he never looks overwhelmed. And he's always out there and he's not intimidated by anyone he's up against. So those are things that you really can't account for on any stat sheet or in any scouting report. This is a kid who, who's who got something in him. And I'm not saying that because I spent a lot of time writing about him. I'm, I'm saying it because I see it with my own eyes. But unfortunately for him, he's buried on a, on a depth chart behind a lot of good players. So you know, he'll have an idea of what his future holds when, when Byron starts to make decisions on Boletang and Alaba. And it could be a situation where, you know, he might have to move on via alone uh, to, to kind of get more first team experience and playing time. But, you know, if we do see a little bit of an exodus on the back line, it could be a good thing for Chris Richards.
0: I think that Maybe his future doesn't necessarily lie in competing for a center back position, and it's not to say that Benjamin Pavard has been bad, but you know, Philip Lom needed Rafinha, right? There might be that role for Chris Richards, and where he's a pretty reliable backup for a little while, fully knowing that he can play center back, right? But Benjamin Pavard is not going to be a Bayern forever. He's not going to be consistently playing right back forever, and Chris Richards might be right behind him to the point where maybe in a couple of years down the line, Benjamin Pavard is looking to leave Bayern Munich. They don't have to go out and get a right back because they already have Chris Richards. And then hopefully by that time, Joshua Kimmich is still here, and he doesn't follow his Tony Cruz uh, villain arc and goes off to Real Madrid. (laughs) Uh, But... Maybe, like in a pinch, uh, Kimmich, you know, the best right back in the world can be the best right back in the world. Um, but yeah, I think that might be a more realistic option for Chris Richards. It's not to say that he can't perform at center back, he absolutely can, but I think there are better options out there right now that will suit Byron's needs than Chris Richards will in terms of getting into a starting lineup position. And I think that right back is a better chance for him than center back is.
1: And Jake, here's what I'll say really quickly is I think that on a lot of other teams, Chris Richards would probably be starting at center back or right back. Uh, and I'm not talking about second or third division teams. I'm talking about you know first division teams. I think in the Bundesliga, there are plenty of teams that could use a player like Chris Richards, whether that's at center back or right back. I just keep going back to the fact there are so many good players. And I think, uh, you know, we've sat here and we've bashed the defense a little bit for how they played against Leipzig, but you know, they're good players. They're they're not, they're great players. So it's, it's great in the way that Richards can learn from them. It's just tough in the way that they're all in front of him right now.
2: Chuck pretty much covered it all. I mean, every time he's featured for our first team uh, this season, he, he's done nothing inherently wrong. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I think he's been quite positive in all of his performances and, you know what is he supposed to do it's like tr- you can't do you can't do more than what's given to you I guess would be a good way to describe it you know I think he's shown quite well and in, in the minutes that he's been given and there's nothing more he can do and I think he realizes that 100% too I, I think he realizes that he's making the most of the opportunities uh, I 100% think that Hansi Flick and, and the coaching staff are making that, you know, echoing that thought to him as well and letting him know, hey, you know, you might not be the first choice uh, with all of these guys in the depth chart, but we're very pleased with what we're seeing from you with the time that you're being given. Uh, My only one concern, and perhaps is not something that's his fault at all, is just, um, Chuck, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know, has he lasted a full 90 minutes yet, or has he come off due to uh, injury almost every time
1: yeah he's had some bad luck uh with injuries especially late in contests he's as he's had especially i forget which game it was but he pulled up with some calf issues so yeah that's that's really just some bad luck and i think had he not gotten injured in that first game out he was in line for more playing time but he's had some bad luck to go along with a lot of good teammates in front of him yeah
2: those two things combined will certainly uh you know affect how many minutes you get and like you mentioned, I feel completely bad for him that he has experienced those. But you know, he's a he's a bright star. I, I think he has a very very bright future ahead of him. And whether that's breaking into the first team at Bayern or perhaps being offloaded somewhere else and being a, being a success, a success that's that remains to be seen. But you know, I think it's obvious what a talent he is. All right. So last but not least, we are going to get into a very juicy question. It comes from at German Dad in LA, and they ask. Are there any moves slash problems to be solved this January in the transfer window, which is right around the corner? So Jake and then Chuck.
0: Well, yeah, there are some problems in the January transfer window, and I think we spent a lot of time talking about one of them, uh, specifically in the defense. I really don't know what it is. I, I just don't know what it is, but there is something that this defense is not able to do that is cohesive. Right. And whether that is to bring in Alphonso Davies back from an injury, to bring in, you know, a full time replacement center back for uh, Jerome Boateng, I think those are the things that Byron should target in January. But I don't think they will get them. I think that Byron are in a weird position where they know who they want if they need somebody, but they won't be able to get them. They won't be able to access them, either because they're currently in the same league. We just talked about Daya Upamecano for a while, or whether or not they're overseas. But I would say the number one thing that Bayern Munich needs to do in this January transfer window is decide what they're going to do with David Alaba. That's their answer. That's the thing that they really need to work on. It's going to be hard for them to bring in people for the defense, right? Plus, they're going to get Fonzie back mid December. It's going to be hard for them to shore up the midfield, right? Because the midfield's kind of looking weak right now. But they get Joshua Kimmich back in January in some time. And the wing position, you really can't help that, right? You might be able to bring in somebody on the level of, say, Ivan Perisic, but. I don't think Perisic is going to be leaving Inter Milan anytime soon, and you don't need to solve the striker situation. Robert Lewandowski is Robert Lewandowski. There's nobody in the world that would be able to replace him. But the one thing that they can take care of is things in-house. And I think that's the thing that they will be and should be looking towards. And the big question is going to be whether or not they're going to be able to sign David Alaba. And I'm not even going to speculate on whether they can or they can't. I'm just going to say that that's the one thing that they need to decide in January.
1: Jake, you're right. That is the definitely the biggest uh, issue internally that Bayern has as far as picking up anyone, I honestly don't think Bayern Munich is going to make any moves in this transfer window. If they do, it's going to be for younger players, maybe to help bolster the Bayern Munich two side as they are uh, struggling a bit with injuries and having just a, a plethora of roster issues given what's going on with player movement. But yeah, I don't see the senior team making any moves. In fact, I think it's going to be one of those weird scenarios where because... Kimmich has been out and and Davies has been out and, and Quentin Taliso has missed some time and now Javi Martinez is out. I think that Hansi Flick's just going to be looking forward to getting all of them healthy and it'll be like a few new transfers come in in January when, when all of his boys are back in the house. So I'm thinking that this is going to be a pretty quiet window and that Flick will just be focused on getting his his team healthy, integrating those players that have been injured, and just focusing for the stretch run of the season.
2: Now, you two, I pretty much touched on this. I was jokingly going to say in the winter, we should just, you know, make a move for like. You know, a witch doctor, or like a shaman, or some kind of, you know, <laughs> <laughs> crazy, like magical healer or something th- that could just protect our players so that Lord we're not Wolfhard the. heart retired last year, Tom. <laughs> was- Does he? He's got to know people. He has to know people in the industry that could come and, you know, do some rain dances or whatever and, you know, keep all of our boys safe and. You know, give them good omens because it just sucks to see so many go down, unfortunately. Uh, Chuck, as you mentioned, I agree with both of you. I don't think really any moves will be made in January unless some kind of crisis happens. You know, football is a crazy game. A lot can happen in a very short period of time. Knock on wood, it doesn't have to do with a major injury to one of our players, but... um, you know, just as we had written about earlier this year, uh, a few months ago, about Salih Salihamadzic, he had spoke about we have, you know, in the transfer market, we have our team A, uh, team B, C, D, through however many letters you want of who we're going to go after. And I think that's already in place. Um, Jake, I agree. You had said they need to figure out the contract situation of David Alaba. Definitely something needs to be figured out. Um, I think they are. Probably further along than they would publicly admit or publicly reveal. Um, perhaps we'll get some news on that when the January transfer window actually opens. Uh, so I think squad planning, getting our players back uh, fit and healthy, Taliso, um, Joshua Kimmich, et cetera, et cetera, back healthy will be like having new signings. You know, managers always say that getting so and so back will be like having a new signing. Uh, but just for the future, um, Chuck, I was particularly enticed by the uh, the piece you had written with the rumors linking uh, Florian Neuhaus and Dennis Zicaria to Bayern. Because I am just looking at the midfield, uh, Javier Martinez will definitely probably be leaving uh, at the end of this season. He has his injury troubles as well, despite filling in when he needs to. Korintan uh, Taliso, It's just one of those things. We could get we could argue until we were blue in the face. You know, is it time to cut our losses with him? Because every time it seems like he maybe puts a couple. Uh, good steps forward he comes down with an injury and it's just so unfortunate for him and then when he doesn't have an injury sometimes he really struggles to get into a solid rhythm uh, especially when both Goretzka and Kimmich are healthy and acting as that dual midfield pivot Uh, and now we're obviously going to be approaching the knockout stages of the Champions League so you're going to put your best 11 out on the pitch he might be losing out on some of those minutes to those guys so I'd be curious to see what the club decides to do with him um you guys could maybe chime in if you, if you wanted to, but, uh, Chuck, as you mentioned, I think midfield or as you had written about, uh, Neuhaus and Zakaria, those are two guys I'm really impressed with. I love watching them for Borussia Gladbach, And I would love to see either one or two perhaps be, uh, seriously pursued by Byron, because I, I think in midfield, we, we, we do need some uh, reinforcements, especially in the center of the park.
1: And Tom, that's, it's a great thought. And, and those two players definitely are intriguing, uh, I'm just struggling with the fact that Bayern went out and they got Mark Rocha and they can't find a way to play him right now. I, if I'm Neu- Florian Neuhaus or from Dennis Icaria, I'm probably looking at Bayern Munich and I'm seeing Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. And I'm saying, you know what? Maybe there's a better club for me to grow with because I don't think I'm going to get a lot of playing time there. So uh, I think those are two really good names. I would be uh, a little gun-shy if I was either one of those two players, but that's me. I mean, like, I, if I was a professional, I definitely would be like hawking a place where I could play and not sitting, you know, handing Joshua Kimmich a towel when he comes off after the game.
2: Chuck, just be honest. You're trying to figure out a way that Bayern can make Buonasar the bonafide right back,
1: aren't you? <laughs> Please, no. <laughs>
0: I'll just wrap it up with this. I don't think Neuhaus or Zakaria will want to come to Bayern, let alone whether or not Bayern should pursue them. I think if they have futures, it'll be outside of the country. I think it'll be in England. But I don't think that those are necessarily the kind of players that Bayern are going to go after, right? We mentioned Mark Roca. He needs to develop a little bit more, but he's fantastic. Musiala's done very well for us so far, right? Tolisso is still an option. And not to mention, like, we're forgetting there are other central midfield options out there, like one Hungarian that currently plays for Arbe Salzburg right now, uh, I don't necessarily think we need to get more defensive midfielder-minded. I think we need to get more progressing-the-ball-forward-minded, right? Because that's what we lost in Thiago. I don't know necessarily if either Kimmich or Goretzka have been or would ever be able to... Like, be that player or fully make up for the loss of Tiago. So, I would look potentially towards getting attacking midfielder minded in that scenario. But with that, we're going to end this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. Follow us on Twitter. At Bavarian FB works. Follow the contributors at Jefferson Fenner, at Tommy Adams 71, and at the Barrel Blog. Follow us on Twitch at Twitch.tv/BavarianFifaWorks every weekday, except for days when Bayern plays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We will be streaming our Strasse to Glory with FC Kaiser Slautern. And until next time where we will be bringing you our recap of Byron's game against Lokomotiv Moscow. We will see you all later. Have a great start to your week. Auf Wiedersehen.